One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, welcome back to Oz Business Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company on this Friday afternoon, just gone midday Eastern. That means it's time for the call. Ten stocks that you've suggested put to an expert panel for their adjudication all in the next 60 minutes or so. And terrific to welcome back Andrew Whelan from DP uh, Wealth Advisory in Toowoomba. Andrew, welcome back to the call. Andrew, we got you there? Yep. yep. Perfect. Yep. Yep. Uh, good, good to see you Queenslanders have opened the borders today to uh, let the Southerners in, bar the, the Victorians. Good to see. So, I mean, they, we, we kept the true Southerners out. You know, I think that's important. But, you know, it's, it's just a process. Uh, we might even let South Australians in occasionally too. Quite <laughs> much, <so. laughs> Excellent. And also welcoming to the call for the first time, Rob Collett from Macro Capital. Rob, welcome to the call. Thanks, Koshy. Um, how's, busy, how's your week been? Busy? Yep, very busy. Yep, uh, Stocks were always moving, so yeah, uh, yeah keeping us on that. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot happening there. Um, any of, uh, inquiries about buy now, pay later stocks? Yep, quite, <laughs> quite a few. Obviously, um, Afterpay did the uh, capital raise the other day, so I had a few people trying to get into that. Yeah, yeah. We've got our own names in that space too, but we can talk about that later. Yeah, yeah, and Sezzle raising, yeah, uh, announcing right. a raise today as well. Yep. All right, before we get to your 10 stocks, let's uh, check in with the stock of the day. And I thought we'd take a look at Commonwealth Bank. Big four banks, always uh, a favourite of, uh, of retail investors. Commonwealth Bank uh, always seems to be trading at a premium because it's it's top of the list of favourites of the big four. Um, reports today in the financial media that, that Commonwealth Bank, um, after saying it was going to maintain its dividend during the, uh, the pandemic crisis uh, a month or two ago, uh, some talk around the markets that may cut its dividend um, or suspend it like some of the big four or deferring it like some of the other big four banks. So... Um, let's get your view on that. Um, Andrew, Commonwealth Bank, are you a bit nervous about the dividend? Is this changing your opinion of the stock? Well, as you know, Koshi, I think it was probably, what, about a month ago we spoke about banks and I said at that time that, you know, I was pretty cool on banks and you sort of had that shocked look on your face going, what are you talking about? And we, we spoke about a number of the issues that are facing banks at the moment. Yep. You know, you've got $260 billion worth of loans that have been deferred. Uh, you've got their net interest margins under pressure. But, you know, if we're talking about ComBank specifically, the key thing I like about ComBank, it is the best capitalised bank in the world. And so if you sort of look at one of the reasons some of these other banks have been deferring dividends, not so much that, you know, their capital isn't that flash either, but from memory, ComBank's capital is around 18%. So it really is highly capitalised. But certainly my view is that they'll probably cut the dividend by a third now that's not great for those people watching who are looking for income but if we can compare and contrast that to anz and uh, westpac of course they've completely deferred their dividend and nab's cut it by two-thirds so for cba to be only cutting it by a third is actually probably not a bad outcome in this environment and is frankly prudent given the the environment that we're facing at the moment right uh, so given all of that you're still not a fan of the big four 
No. Uh, I mean, you, you need to have them in your portfolio. You know, you can't have no banks in there. But what's the what's the market weighting in banks at the moment? Around 30, 35%. We'd yeah. certainly be travelling at closer to 15, 20% for our clients in their portfolios with banks. So we'd be probably half weight, if I was to put it that way. Uh, and is it a buy at $70? No. And as you point out, it's trading at a premium to its peers. You know, the peers are trading at 11 times earnings. They're trading at 14 um, not a bad business at all, but is it one in which you'd be rushing out to buy and paying $70, especially with the result coming? No, you'd yeah. probably just be very okay. cautious. All right. So say we expanded it to the big five banks. So we chucked Macquarie in there and you're saying you've got to have um, sort of at least one in your portfolio. What would be your preference? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of an unfair question, Koshi, uh, because we're not comparing like with like. Um, but certainly love Macquarie, big fan of Macquarie, as you, as you remember, I worked for them yep. previously, but big fan of Macquarie. The other way to play it, of course, Koshi, is you could buy an ETF that actually has all of them in there, oh, yeah. uh, plus Bank of Queensland, plus Bendigo, and that's uh, MVB, Mike Victor Bravo. And that basically has uh, the big four banks, Macquarie, and a couple of the, the regional okay. ones in there as well. So if you can't sort of pick one, but you're going, gee, I want banks, that might be uh, another way mm. to attacking. But if, you, if you're pigeonholing me and you're saying you can only have one of five, I'd have Macquarie every day of the okay. week, but very different business. A, a really good suggestion, the ETF there, Andrew. Uh, Rob, what do you think of Commonwealth Bank? Yeah, um, so the big question about all the banks is, uh, will they pay out the dividend? Uh, yep. The range the market's telling us is actually, as Andrew suggested, anything from a complete cut deferring completely down about a 25% reduction, uh, coming out with a divvy of about $1.50. So, um, you know, it, it's overvalued from our perspective as well. Um, wouldn't be buying it at these levels. We definitely agree with Andrew. We'd like to pick up uh, Macquarie Bank. We own Macquarie Bank for our clients and our portfolios. Uh, we've also been doing a lot of work with um, ETFs recently as well. Right. Uh, we haven't stepped into the banking ETF that he mentioned, yeah. um, but you know, when, when the time looks right, we'll probably go there first just right. to get that added uh, diversification, make sure we're um, you know, buying the sector rather than trying to pick an individual stock that might unfortunately surprise to the downside. Yeah, okay, all right. Uh, so there you go, that's our stock of the day. Commonwealth Bank, a no from both Andrew and Rob Butt. You've still got to have banking exposure into, into your portfolio. And um, if you look at the big five, including Macquarie, uh, Macquarie is uh, the preferred one out of those five stocks. Um, so that is it for our stock of the day. Let's take a look at your 10 stocks. You're watching The Call here on Ausbiz with Andrew Wheeland from DP Wealth Advisory, Rob Corlett from Macro Capital. Let's get into your 10 stocks. First one suggested by, uh, by Andrew, um, Rob, uh, Warley Limited, consulting and advisory services company big in that whole um, energy resources sector, isn't it? Yeah. Look, uh, uh, massive organisation. Huge, yeah. 51 countries, global operation. Um, unfortunately, they're supplying into the energy sector, which has been the worst performing sector globally. Um, they have got this business where they're transitioning to new energy, which is great. We're seeing a huge global decline in energy coming from natural gas and oil. Uh, if there's a transition into wind and solar, which uh, will work well for Wally Parsons moving forward. Uh, we just think it's probably a little bit too far out uh, to be invested in Wally Parsons right now. Um, they're getting some reasonable pro forma uh, growth in EBITDA around about 9%. 
Um, the big headline number they keep putting out there of you know, 126% growth is actually coming through acquisitions. Um, so from our perspective right now, we wouldn't buy Wally Parsons, we'd actually sell it. Oh, okay. So, um, so it's sort of out of cycle, if you like, because it's so into that energy and resources sector, and um, which are under pressure. We've seen the oil price down again yep. today. We've got the big oil companies down, the Woodsides, the Oil Searchers, the Santos. Um, when when those big companies are in the in this sort of to- time of the cycle, mm-hmm. um, they cut back on their capex, which yep. is what Wally really depends on. Yeah, you look, they, they cut 3,000 staff recently, so they're down to 56,000. Um, look, we're all for buying uh, into sectors that may have been out of favour. Uh, we uh, want to get them as they're transitioning back into favour. And unfortunately, right. Wally Parsons doesn't offer enough of a discount uh, right. for us to get interested in. Right, right. okay. Andrew, what do, you, what do you think of Wally? Uh, a little underwhelming. Um, I, I, I guess... One thing we've got to remember, though, you know, as Rob was saying, that energy exposure is diminishing. It's now only about 20% of their revenue. So it is backing off. So whether that's just a market communication piece or whatever the case is, but the market still has that in its mind that it's energy, but it really is sort of coming off. Uh, Look, the PE is um, around 12 times. It's not that demanding. I mean, again, when when I worked for Macquarie, I, I think we floated it from memory and it was about 20 odd bucks. I think it got to about 42, and I'm just looking at sort of the, the five-year return, total return, so income and dividend over the last five years has been half a percent per annum. So if I'd just stuck my money into an ASX S&P 200 ETF, this isn't the ETF show, but say we did that, SDW or something like that, I would have made 5.8% per annum dividend and income. If I'd stuck it into Wally Parsons over the same period of time, I would have made half a percent per annum. So, you know, it's, it's, I wouldn't call it compelling, especially whilst that business is in transition as well. If you got it at 490 on that day of the panic back on the 23rd of March, you would have been happy, but uh, I'd be struggling to pay sort of, you know, the eight, nine dollars for it today. Yep, okay, all right, some uh, great advice there uh, for you, Andrew. Thanks for the suggestion. Um, now, our second stock comes from James. Um, how do you pronounce it, Andrew? In Genia and Genia uh, communities, it's a, a property group, basically specialising in over fifty fives complexes, retirement villages, and the like, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I just like to say I and A. I think that's sort right. of a, <laughs> and I'm sure Rob agrees. You know, if someone says, "What do you think of such and such?" and that you immediately think of the stock code, you're not actually right. sort of thinking about the company itself. But yeah, look, it's a, it's got sixty properties in there. Uh, the company itself has got a market capitalization of nearly about $1.5 billion. It's the old ING uh, REIT. Um, both the CEO and share have been increasing their holdings over that last 12 months. They, they recently did a share purchase plan at about $3.45, so that's sort of going to be dampening um, the, the share price, all that sort of washing its way through. Uh, from my point of view, we're not huge fans of REITs at the moment, and in particular sort of ones that are, because don't forget they've also got that sort of um, holiday exposure as well. Mm. So maybe there could be some uptick in sort of domestic tourism as we were speaking about at the beginning of the segment. Uh, you might see some more domestic tourism, but retirement villages in general have been a pretty poor investment. Um, so on a REIT basis, we much prefer sort of the broader scope ones, things like Charter Hall or maybe even Goodman Group with that industrial exposure. But yeah, this one isn't really sort of uh, floating my boat either, yeah. I'm sorry. It's, it's a classic case, isn't Andrew? The story around it is good. It's in, uh, take out the holiday parks bit of it, but 
but over 55s, retirement villages, aging population. Yes, it must be a booming industry, but because the story's good, doesn't necessarily translate into a good business, does it? No, I mean, it's unfair to ask whoever's doing the charts at the moment, but, you know, if you want to sort of torment yourself, put up charts of EHE or REG or, you know, like Regis and Etsy uh, have just been very, very ordinary businesses. Uh, Obviously, that Royal Commission hasn't been too flash either. I mean, 20 years ago, people were saying buy retirement villages and the number of them that have, you know, underperformed, they've become property developers and, yeah, it's just... You're right, thematically it makes a ton of sense, but it's almost like buying hospitals, you know, given the level of compliance, given the high level of costs, as there should be. I'm not suggesting there shouldn't be for a moment. It's yep. just a really tough business to earn a dollar. Yeah. Rob, what do you think of that? Yeah, couldn't agree with you guys more. Um, on top of the $30 million uh, cap raise they did with their share purchase plan, they did 150 for Instos. Uh, that gave them enough cash to go out and make uh, two acquisitions uh, at the end of May. Uh, for about 33 million each. One was in New South Wales on the coast and one was down in uh, Greater Melbourne. Obviously, we've seen the lockout in Melbourne. Um, So that's going to potentially um, stymie their their, their future growth. Um, You mentioned the holiday exposure they've got. That's about 31% of their revenues at the moment. Oh, so it's pretty decent, isn't it? It it is, yeah. 52 from the development process, uh, 11% from the gardens business, 31 from the holidays. So uh, look, it, it makes sense that you should like it, uh, ageing population, all those things. Yeah. Uh, if we had it in portfolios, which we don't, uh, but if we did, we'd probably hold it. Uh, we may even look to accumulate it on some weakness. Um, but right now, the, the COVID-19 um, is really going to cause some potential problems uh, through uh, the, the lack of demand yeah. for, the, for the holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you um, sort of not suspicious? Are you tentative about REITs? Uh, generally? Yeah, at the moment, for sure. Right, yeah. right. Um, uh, Andrew liked in that space some of the charter halls and Goodmans. Is that your feeling or are there other opportunities in the REITs out there? We're, we're staying away from that space uh, right. at the moment, if we can. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so... Uh, it just needs to settle down a bit, doesn't it, to see right. yeah. where they all go and how the pandemic lasts. All right, uh, thank you for that, uh, James, for the suggestion. The next... Um, Really interesting company uh, suggested by Tammy, um, Rob Live Tiles, headquartered in America. Um, it's a tech business, global software company, uh, providing um, corporates and, and governments um, solutions using um, AI uh, to better manage their workplace. So it's a workplace management software, isn't it? Based in New York, but listed yeah. here in Australia. Yeah. Look, it's a really exciting business. Um, they, they deal with the intranet, uh, video conferencing, um, CRM yeah. management. Uh, it's the type of business that sh- is set up to succeed in COVID-19 environment and post environment. Um, unfortunately, uh, what we're seeing is uh, that their average recurring revenue, whilst up significantly on a 12 month basis, has actually started to flatten out from quarter on quarter yeah. over the last 12 months. So. Um, a, a little company like this starting up, you want to see this exponential growth in revenue. Yeah. And we just haven't seen that happen. Uh, you know, where we're seeing cash burn coming in about eight, nine million a quarter. Uh, they've only got cash on hand of about 33 million. And so that leads us to the, the position that they're likely to do another capital raising within the next right. 12 months. Right. So that's going to be dilutionary to all the shareholders. So um, we like the potential. They just haven't seemed to deliver on that uh, potential. So right. if we've got it in portfolios, we're probably going to lighten it. Okay. Yep. All right. Because as you say, if 
is it is it a sort of warning not warning bell but something for you to consider as you say in this environment where uh, corporates around the world and governments are having to manage their staff working from home and remote locations um, the very basis of this platform is how you communicate with yeah, them and yeah. uh, how do you stay together and if it's flattening out you wonder well if you're, if you can't increase market share here or yeah. revenues it's going to be hard where we get back to normal. Yeah. You, you couldn't ask for a better environment yeah. for that business. So right. that's the concerning part of it. Right. Okay. Andrew, have you uh, had a look at live tyres? I have, and I don't want to show our hand too much on the next one, but just this comment we're currently having. I mean, the next company is certainly taking far more advantage of what's going on than what these guys and girls are. So um, I guess the thing that sort of worries me a little bit about this one is that it's too small. You know, it's 200 million. I mean, look, 200 million is a lot of money. I'm not suggesting it's not, but you know, the opening question was around ComBank at 124 billion dollars. So, uh, you know, it's quite a, a small company. This one, um, it's down 45% for the year. Um, there's probably a lack of corporate appeal as well because the chair and the CEO collectively own about 23% of the company. And if I'm in this sort of tech space, and, and I know I'm not comparing apples with apples, but why wouldn't I buy like an Altium or something, you know, it's got 28% return on equity, 16% earnings growth. Uh, Live Tiles has got a minus 76% return on equity. So wow. as Rob's saying, you know, they're going to have to go and uh, tap shareholders for more money, that dilution thing that he was talking about. So, yeah, interesting business albeit SharePoint integration, if you think that's interesting. But uh, yeah, look, I'm a, I'm a pass. Right, okay, all right. Um, three for three. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, about, uh, what about Whisper? They suggested by, by Sally Andrew. Uh, again, tech business, cloud-based communication, where it, it brings, if you like, all of your, your email, text messaging, web, web chats uh, together. Um, if, you're, if you're a corporate, their customers include BHP, Rio, Telstra, Foxtel, Australia Post, and Qantas, um, and a lot of other government agencies as well. It, it sounds like Whisper is sort of in that in that same segment of the market, Andrew. Yeah, and that's I guess that's what I was saying with Lifetiles. They're actually Whisper are actually delivering. I mean, they've got that quality client base, as you said. You know, the AGLs, the Foxtels of the world, etc. Floated yeah. back in June last year at a dollar sixty. So even despite the pandemic, the share price has been going along pretty well. Um, and the key thing to Rob's point is that recurring income base is increasing. It's up about 23% on the previous corresponding period, uh, beating prospectus forecasts, which again, in this environment, mm -hmm. you'd expect them to do, but that's great to see. Uh, CEO has skin in the game. He owns about 15% of the company. So yeah, look out of all the ones, I'm, I'm going to go buy on this one. We've right, three okay, nos. all right. Get your, um, get your notepad out, this is a buy. Uh, but, but look at that one year chart. Three dollars thirty-six. Um, I'd, I'd much rather be buying on the chart on the way up, Koshi. I don't want to be trying to catch that falling <laughs> knife. You, you want it? Um, and I mean, not that I'm suggesting you buy Afterpay for a moment. It's a poor, poor example. But you know, if you'd sat there at thirty dollars and that Afterpay chart's doing this and going, oh, I can't do it because it's thirty bucks. Well, we know where it is today. Yeah. So uh, share price going up should not be a hindrance or a barrier to you buying a share. If anything, it's telling you the market likes it you should be looking at this. Yeah, yeah, following the trend. Um, Rob, what do you think of Whisper? 
Yeah, look, let's go four, four from four. Um, I think Andrew and I are reading from the same page on this one. Uh, Whisper looks really good. Gross margin, 62%. Um, again, comparing it back to live tiles, these guys have actually seen revenue increase of 27%, whilst oh. operating expenditures only up 9%. Right. Uh, much more stable uh, customer base. Uh, a lot of those large companies you mentioned, you can throw in McDonald's and Coca-Cola in there as well. Uh, predominantly, they're government um, contracts that they're running as well. So very large contracts, very long term. Uh, governments aren't making that, that quick decision to change from one year to the next. So. Um, they, the actual business model is a, uh, a low-code, no-code platform uh, built for people who don't have uh, IT coding skills. Right. And uh, through moving widgets to create a, a, a flowchart, you actually create your own app and software that can greatly reduce your operating uh, costs oh. and uh, streamline your business models. So um, what's exciting about it is that the, the low-code, no-code platform is expected to be, that market's gonna be about $15 billion this year. Um, and there's um, assessment to say, say that uh, the low-code, no-code platform will be about 65% of all application developments by 2024. Wow, so yeah. they're actually riding a, um, a cutting-edge technology, the new norm in terms of technology, but a bit ahead of it. Yep. Um, as we saw on the five-year chart there, it's only been going a year, yep. um, 18 months. Mm -hmm. um, how do you assess the management of a business like that? That must be the tricky bit, because you get all these tech companies coming on, and mid-techs would be exactly the same as well. We have lots of platform businesses um, on the market at the moment. Um, what's the process you go through in terms of just finding out whether they can deliver? Uh, shareholder engagement, being open, being um, open to tell us what uh, the business is doing, particularly through these times. You know, people want clarity. People don't want to not know. Um, you know there's another great company out there called uh, Tyro Payments that are coming back to the, the marketplace every single week, showing right. us what their results are. Uh, Whisper the same, uh, constantly oh. telling us you know, how far ahead they are of the prospectus numbers that they put out there in, in the beginning. Um, and the business makes sense. It's the right place to be. And they're delivering, you know, yeah. like the life tiles, they're, they're actually delivering well, we like it. Yeah. yeah. Andrew, how, how do you assess, because you usually sort of wait for companies to settle down for, for two or three years to see if they deliver on their prospectuses and the like. How do you assess management for, for a new stock? Yeah, uh, but part of it, Koshi, I think is also around who the management is, what's their, uh, their pedigree, for the want right. of a better term. So, um, if you sort of, and I'll, I'll use Andrew Forrest as an example, you know, he didn't have a great start uh, in corporate land with Anaconda. And uh, a few people said, well, after what happened there, I'm not inclined to support Fortescue to their peril, given where Fortescue's share price is today. But certainly, if you don't have a track record as such, or, you know, the right. business, it's hard to get a read on. Sure, you've got to read the prospectus or the PDS. But it's also around who's involved in the business. I mean, you know, when we started the discussion, we said, well, who are some of their customers? And, you know, we're talking about blue chip customers like AGL, like Foxtel, like Qantas, et cetera. So those companies in themselves would have done that due diligence. Uh, you'd also be maybe talking to their competitors, trying to get a bit of a read on that as well uh, from a, a broader industry perspective as well. So you stick all that in the melting pot. And then, as Rob's saying, you're paying close attention to that communications piece, and I agree, companies like Tyro, 
uh, sort of the gold standard where there's others that you may not have heard from them since February and you're saying, well, hang on, we're in the middle of a one in a hundred year health emergency. <laughs> Wouldn't you think, you know, maybe some information might be helpful? So, yeah, it's, 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 it's a multitude of things. Yeah, that's really good. And good advice from both of you for, for us mug investors out there on, on how professionals actually think about these companies. It's really important. Um, so there you go, Sally. Um, great suggestion. Um, a thumbs up from both Rob and Andrew for Whisper. Uh, not only on um, the type of company it is, but also how transparent it is uh, with its operations, which always points to, to pretty good governance. Um, let's go on now. Our, our fifth stock is suggested by Rick. Uh, it's another, uh, another REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust. Um, Dexas invests in uh, it's about $15.5 billion worth of office and industrial properties. Um, Andrew, does uh, Dexas float your boat? Not really. And just uh, Rob sort of touched on it just before around REITs. I, I just want to be clear, I'm not actually saying people should buy REITs. I'm saying if you wanted to buy REITs, you know, you'd yep. be in that Charter Hall space or Goodman. We quite like the industrial piece, uh, given you know the uptake in, uh, on online shopping, as an example, like here in Queensland. So I didn't let you down. It took me 26 minutes, but I got there. Um, uh, Amazon are building a monster distribution centre um, just sort of uh, uh, near Brisbane. So uh, yeah, I, I'm happy to have that sort of exposure. Or again, you could buy an ETF if you try, if you don't know which one to pick. You know, uh, Vanguard have one as an example. VAP. Uh, there's another one. There's others out there too. But in the case of Dexas, the thing that sort of worries me is that they have such heavy office exposure. And is there a thematic change taking place around working from home, as an example? Uh, is that going to sort of cause issues around that office space? Uh, also, the fact that is their earnings indeed sustainable? They're earning 61 cents and yet they're paying out 80. Uh, that in itself is probably a bit of a, an amber flashing light. The positives, though, it's low gearing. It's about 25%. They've got about $1.7 billion worth of cash and undrawn um, uh, funding to hand. So they're certainly not going to go broke. It's not what I'm suggesting. I mean, it's a $10 billion company. Yep. But I just think on that in that space, yeah, not feeling it. I'm sorry. Okay, Rob, what do you reckon? Um, so yeah, so again, we're, we're not uh, in love with the space, but uh, look, Dexas have 97% uh, occupancy at the moment. Uh, but further to what Andrew was saying, you know, if we do see this shift, people working from home, uh, how's that going to impact their portfolio? Um, you know, we're a believer right now that um, property values uh, across you know, the country are going to fall. Uh, that should transition into lower rents. That should impact Dexas. So, uh, not where we want to be. Um, however, compared to its peers, it's probably still going to outperform in our opinion. Um, they recently made two acquisitions, one in New South Wales, one in Victoria. Um, they also sold uh, 45 Clarence Street uh, about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. So right. um, they've got plenty of cash available. They've got uh, half a billion dollars for that. They paid about $88 million out for the two properties. So they've got cash. Um, they paid out a dividend um, two weeks ago. Uh, very flat, 21 cents, pretty much in line with what they did before. Right. So, look, very stable um, revenue at the moment. This COVID environment, does that change things? Maybe. Do we love the space? No. If you've got it, we'd probably hold it, um, but we wouldn't go out and buy it. Right. Okay. All right. That, that's our first five stocks on the call. Let's just recap um, with also our stock of the day, Commonwealth Bank. Um, 
uh, neither Rob or Andrew absolutely in love with um, with the big four banks at the moment. If you had to buy a bank, uh, maybe Macquarie. Always have banks in your portfolio though to reflect the market. Maybe an ETF is an alternative to that. Uh, a no for Wally uh, for both uh, Rob and Andrew just isn't performing out of cycle at the moment. Uh, Ingencia, which is the retirement village um, over 55s holiday park group. Um, hold from Rob if you're in it, a no from Andrew. Uh, live tiles, a no from both. Uh, a big tick on Whisper, the, uh, the platform business, and um, uh, because it is producing really good returns for, for shareholders and also really providing great investment updates as well and a no on Dexas. Now, a bit of a programming update though, joining us on the Pulse uh, this afternoon, uh, uh, Daniel Gershwin, uh, the Chief Executive of Queensland Tourism Industry, as the state opens its borders and launches a tourism blitz. Uh, he, Daniel, is coming up on the Pulse at 1.20 and the implications for uh, travel stocks there. And also, um, Andrew, he'd be pointing out the, uh, the highlights of travelling uh, to Queensland during the southern winter. And Toowoomba. I mean, again, yes, exactly. I'm surprised I have to keep mentioning it. But <laughs> yeah. well, what's the theatre you've got to visit in uh, Toowoomba that's just a beautiful building? Is it, is it the Palace? Yeah. Oh, well, it looks like the Palais uh, Theatre at St Kilda, but no, it's the Empire Theatre. Empire. Largest regional, yeah, largest regional theatre in Australia. We're actually reopening tomorrow, which is really exciting. Oh. We've been shut since March. So we're having okay. our first show, thanks to the uh, Queensland government and also the, the local uh, Empire Theatres Foundation here. They're helping support us okay. open the doors again. So, it's so really what are you opening with? Four uh, we've got the Beamish Brothers and Project 62. So oh, it's okay. really, from an arts point of view, after four months, the ghost light's been on, but yep. uh, we get to reopen the doors. Very exciting. Yeah. And for those who are new to the call, Andrew's on the Board of Trustees for the Empire Theatre as well and just loves it. Uh, do you have good choc tops there? Good choc tops? Okay, as we were saying, the doubles. You want the double ones. You don't want the singles. You want the... Lip and I went to the movies for the first time because I reopened in New South Wales last weekend. Got a choc top. I could not uh, bite into it. I had to put it back into the plastic wrapper and bang it on the uh, metal step next to my seat just to get through. I reckon it had been in the freezer since March. It was ridiculous. So, uh, uh, But good luck with the opening on the weekend. Thanks, Koshi. Uh, Thank and if you are going across the border, visit Toowoomba and go and visit Andrew as well. Uh, where, is your office in the main street? We are. I actually tried to change the shot from this beautiful uh, vista behind me here to the main street down that way. So we are literally on the main oh. street and the theatre is... Just around the corner. Oh, okay. Pop in for a cup of tea. All right, let's Absolutely. get into the let's get into the uh, second five of your ten stocks for today. And uh, Andrew Whelan and uh, Rob Corlett uh, joining us on the panel today. And uh, this suggestion from Joe. Thank you for this. And uh, Rob, a Vita Therapeutics. Now, I just love some of the stories behind these because Avita, remember Fiona Wood and the Bali bombings and um, uh, the, the spray on skin that she developed that saved so many people? Well, this is the company 
that has commercialised it and uh, taken it all to market. Uh, uh, Vita, um, it's a really interesting business and regenerative uh, medicine product, the, the uh, resell spray on skin for the treatment of burns, but um, recently changed its domicile uh, to the United States and it's now listed on the NASDAQ, which is, which is interesting, Rob, isn't it? Yeah, look, I think people really have to understand what's going on with that um, uh, listing on the NASDAQ. So it trades under the ticker RCEL, R-C-E-L. Uh, 71% of the companies listed here, uh, 29 is over in the US. If you're buying stock here on the ASX, you're actually buying uh, US CDIs. So right. five shares here equals one actual company share in the US. Ah, um, okay. So oh, that's interesting to clear up, isn't it? Mm. Um, you, well, you, what will it start to the share price or listing on the NASDAQ? Yeah. <laughs> Um, what you're going to find with this is uh, there's going to be a lot of arbitrage trading. So uh, we closed at 29.05 uh, last night on the NASDAQ. Uh, and if you take your currency conversion, your 5 to 1 conversion, uh, it indicated that it should trade at about uh, $8.35 today. Right. And okay. uh, when I left to come here, we were $8.36, which was down nearly 2%. Right. So people have to understand that um, the, the price movements will probably be dictated from the uh, NASDAQ movements. Right. Um, that being said, uh, it's a fantastic business, great story. Um, it's the spray on skin cells. They've also um, looking to have their product FDA approved uh, for the treatment of uh, vitiligo, uh, which is the, um, the patches of white skin that you can get oh. on your hands sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's 6.5 million people in the US who are afflicted with that. So if they can get that through, that'll be a, a huge win for them. Uh, we're seeing revenue up 67%. Um, you know, strong growth prospects, good cash position. Uh, we, we like it, we would buy it. Okay. Uh, Andrew, what do you think of Avita? Yeah, I mean, again, everything that Rob says, uh, you got the CEO earning 33%, which is great. Um, the, the share market, I think, has been a little confused around mm. this whole consolidation piece. Um, so, you know, whether there's a, a, that you've got the communication. Um, they came out with an update overnight and their results probably weren't as strong as the market had been hoping. But the flip side is they're directly impacted by COVID because, you know, it's non-essential. And uh, from that point of view, that, that's sort of slowing down their business a little bit, but it certainly doesn't stop the long-term view on it. We still don't mind Polynovo either. Right. You and I have discussed Polynovo previously. Yeah, and they, um, they've come out with an update today, I think, haven't they? Which was, uh, or was it late, late yesterday? Um, yeah. A pretty good update as well. So that whole space is is a good space, and certainly being if we're coming back to Avita being on the on the Nasdaq, so it gives them greater exposure, etc. Um, I mean, it's a speculator. I mean, it's a six hundred million dollar biotech. You know, we're not talking CSL or something like that, but the actual underlying technology is pretty exciting. Uh, our preference is Polynovo, but if a client wanted to buy this, we certainly wouldn't stand in their way. Okay, um, does it overcomplicate it? As Rob was trying to explain to me, the you know what you're buying, you're buying sort of five shares here equal one on the Nasdaq, and then you know, I suppose you've got to bring in the currency issue. And does it, it make it too BHP complex? Too. But BHP is exactly the same. You know, right, they okay. have um, shares that trade in the UK. I'm pretty sure Rob, they've got ADRs in the US as well, don't they? Yep, they so, do. So, and, and I mean, even if you bring it closer to a healthcare perspective, take Resmed as an example. They have CDIs; they're a ten for one. Yeah. So okay. it's not common, but it's not, you know, out there yeah. either. Yeah, and doesn't turn you off as as an investment at all. 
I mean, ResMed's been a cracker. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, Res, um, ResMed's been an amazing business. And, and also, Rob, um, our medtech businesses are seen to be uh, are highly regarded in the US by US investors, aren't they? Mm. And, and much better value than, in fact, most of the American ones. Yeah, we, we trade on a smaller exchange. So yep. um, yeah, there's lots of good value in, in our healthcare sector. Right. Uh, so as soon as we move off offshore and start trading off a different exchange, um, it's natural to see uh, a good price appreciation straight away. Yep. Okay. All right, Joe, there you go. Good suggestion there on Avita. Really appreciate it. Okay, from uh, we go now from Medtech to, to an agricultural stock, a fishing stock, Tassel, the uh, Tasmanian-based salmon farming uh uh, company. It's the largest of the Tasmanian um, Atlantic salmon growing businesses. Um, exports um, a lot overseas and it's got a great reputation. Rob, what do you think of Tassa? Oh look, I can buy their salmon, uh, I just can't buy their shares. <laughs> um, Why not? <laughs> yeah, look, um, you know, we've seen uh, first half revenue down 15%, uh, earnings down 3%. Net profit uh, after tax down 3.4%. And the big thing for us, which we kind of um, stumbled across uh, earlier, is th there's no guidance from this company in, in, yeah. as far as uh, the impact of COVID. In fact, they're not even looking to give us guidance um, on the business next year until they report. So uh, from our perspective, um, COVID could have uh, an impact by reducing the demand. Uh, seafood, you know, it's not, yeah. not cheap. Um, and their export market would be affected as well. Yeah, right? yep. So 86% of their business is actually salmon, 14% in seafood. Um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, look, they're doing some good things on this biomass that they've got, trying to increase the size and the um, the weight of the salmon before before selling. So that's had about a 15.5% improvement. Um, they're also trying to change the blend of the seafood that they're packaging, trying to make sure they get the higher uh, margined seafood out. Uh, which has probably impacted business positively by about 2%. Right. So there are some good things there, but uh, from our perspective, no, look, we, we couldn't buy the stock. Yep. Andrew, what about you? Um, I actually have memories of Tassel 1, nothing to do with this company, I might add, but Tassel 1 in the early 2000s actually failed. So you sort of think to yourself, hmm, okay, so what went wrong and can be things, and I can't remember distinctly what happened with Tassel 1, but, you know, you can have issues, obviously, with the financial sustainability, which isn't the case here. But, you know, things like disease, as an example, given they're so highly concentrated in Tasmania, in particular for that uh, salmon business, uh, that's certainly a concern for us. Um, I guess around that for financial sustainability piece, we think the dividend's looking a little bit ropey. Um, so certainly that's something that you might want to keep a bit of an eye on as well. I guess if I was in that um, food space, why wouldn't you buy A2 milk, 40% uh, mm. return on equity, 39% return, 39% uh, earnings uh, growth forecast? Um, I like the fact that the chair and the CEO have both been buying shares over the last 12 months. As you know, that's a big one for us. Shares yep. are down 18% for the year. It's hard to get enthused. Okay. All right. All right. So there you go. Uh, a good opinion there on Tassel Group. Um, our next stock has been suggested by, by Robin Andrews, Seven Group Holdings. Now, I guess it owns um, um, a stake in Seven West Media, but basically it's got a whole bunch of, um, of different companies in that mining sector as well, mining services sector, property. And Andrew recently acquired a strategic stake in Boral as well, 10% uh, run yeah, by... Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm not betting. I'm certainly not going to bet against Kerry Stokes and his three point six billion dollar holding. Um, yeah. You know, like he. Uh, I, I actually was. I don't know why I'm surprised, but um, they employ close to six thousand people. Yeah. That entity. It's huge. I mean, it's huge. And as you're saying, I mean, we all immediately think of Seven West Media. They own forty one percent of that, but they got that West Track, which is a huge driver for them. Yeah. Uh, that Caterpillar business. Uh, the investment portfolio, as you were talking about, the, the, the borrow stakes, uh, and they've got other investments as well. They also have a pretty good property portfolio as well. So when I was looking at this, I'm thinking, gee, this is sort of almost like a little mini Wes Farmers of old. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, which are, and it's yeah, run by, by Ryan Stokes as well. Indeed, which, again, as I said, a lot of respect for Kerry Stokes. Um, but I guess from a governance point of view, that would be a little bit of a concern whereby the major shareholder's family is involved in the business. Uh, again, not casting aspersions for a moment. Um, they're obviously doing a great job. The share price up 28% over the last five years. As we said right at the beginning, if you'd put that money just into SDW, that ASX ETF, you would have made 5%. So you've made nearly six times your money per annum by giving it to the Stokes family. They're doing a great job. But from a governance point of view, if you've got all the family running it, it certainly just you know, muddies the water a little bit. But, um, yeah, look, I, I don't mind the business at all. And it's probably it's probably one that's hard to get set in. But um, if, on any weakness, you'd probably be having a good look at this one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Rob? Yeah, look, uh, if you've got it, we'd hold it. Uh, we'd actually even look to accumulate it if we could over time. I think most people um, think that uh, this has a large exposure to the Seven West Media business. Yes, they own 41%. Yeah. But the revenue... But it's not worth much. No, <laughs> less than 5%. <laughs> yeah. um, look, 73% of the business is that West Track uh, where they're selling yeah. uh, equipment to... You know, they picked up two new contracts with Fortescue and, uh, yeah. and Newmont as well. And basically, West Track is the Caterpillar. Exactly. Dealerships, big, your big... Not Tonka trucks, but Caterpillar trucks and diggers and all that sort of stuff. Uh, yep. uh, not only mining, but infrastructure too. Yeah, exactly. And they've got the Coates uh, hire business as yep. well. So um, they're $700 million in new funding, so they're very well capitalised. Um, we saw a 12% increase in their revenue. Uh, and then we saw, interestingly enough, a 42% decrease in operating cash flow. But what that actually looks to be from our perspective is their reinvestment into uh, capital and um, know the machinery that they may use to to sell on to um, Fortescue, Newmont and through Coates High. Right. So okay. um, yep, we like them. Um, you know, we would accumulate on dips. Yeah. Um, 10% in Boral. Boral's seen to be an absolute dog at the moment. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Hard to turn around, management changes, the, uh, the sector it's in, the cycle of it. Um, gutsy to take a 10% stake. So what would that be? What, they're waiting for a possible break-up of Boral or a seat at the table? Just just playing the long game, I think. Uh, yeah. Opportunity. Um, you know, that, that uh, sector is in the, the trough at the moment. Um, you know, are we going to see economic growth here domestically? Probably not. Not for a little while anyway. Um, they're, they're just playing the long game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I suppose even though Boral overall, Andrew, is, uh, is out of favour with investors, there are, there are parts of it that are quite attractive. Oh, there is. And I think, you know, the Stokes model is in for a penny, in for a pound. I mean, this is a four and a half billion dollar business. They're buying it even today. You know, they've been accumulating at cheaper prices, but it's on a P of 11. And if you look at their peers, their peers are 19 times earnings. Right. So, you know, from that margin of safety point of view, sure, there's lots of issues and they've 
the management you know, haven't exactly covered themselves in glory with this business. But to Rob's point, just play the long game. You've got a good margin of safety. You're collecting a dividend of, helps if I paid attention to this earlier, uh, around a 3% dividend whilst you're waiting. It's better than 0.05 sitting in your bank account. So, yeah, yeah. I can certainly see the yeah. rationale of it. Good, good use of capital. All right. Um, there you go. Really good analysis, Robin, on seven group holdings. Um, Andrew Alana has suggested Macca Limited. Um, this is in the contract mining civil works business, uh, specialises in mining services, um, crushing civil works, has a bit of everything. Is it similar to Wally? Mm, in that space, yeah. yes. I guess if that's the bow we're drawing. I mean, it's another one of these really small ones, Koshi. It's $228 million and the turnover, so the number of shares being transacted a day is 330,000. Yeah. So, you know, I'd, I'd nearly call this a crab pot. Right. Easy to get into, but difficult to get out of. Um, I mean, as you know, one of my big things is what's the skin in the game? The people who are running the business or have got the governance oversight, how much skin do you have in the game? So according to the stuff that I'm looking at, the chair owns $17,000 worth of shares, but it's paid 155 grand a year. And you think right. to yourself, so the shares are down 18%, sorry, 16% over the last three years. They're a long way from where they were in 2013 when they were three bucks. If I was running the business or I was involved in the business, wouldn't you be sort of loading your boots? Mm. So I certainly think on a PE of nine, it looks appealing, especially when their peers are 11 times, but that dividend, again, has me a little bit concerned. Uh, exposure to Brazil, with all due respect to the Brazilians watching today. Uh, you know, a bit of a uh, few issues there at the moment. So I can think of lots of reasons not to be doing this. Okay. All right, Rob, what do you think of Yeah, look, okay. um, they've recently been awarded a $320 million deal with uh, Atlas Iron over five years. Um, they also had another deal for $480 million over five years with Raventhorpe over in um, the WA, which is an open foot right. mining. Um, look, we've got revenue up 12%, EBITDA up 97%, uh, NPAD up 48%. So those things look attractive yeah, to us. Impressive, yep. yep. Um, look, it seems on, on the surface that it's a really good dividend yield. It's paying about you know, 8-9%. Um, always concerned, is this a dividend trap that I'm maybe buying into? Um, the Brazil doesn't worry us too much. The fact they've pulled out of Brazil is only worth 4% of their revenue. Uh, they are looking to go into um, well, Southeast Asia, uh, Cambodia, on a, um, a gold project um, early this year. Um, look, revenue guidance is slightly above previous guidance. EBITDA uh, guidance slightly above what they'd previously forecast. So it should do okay. Uh, if you had it, we'd definitely hold it. Um, you know, technically, you know, if you started getting really concerned about the mining space because of a slowdown, uh, then maybe look to, to lighten it. But otherwise, we'd be happy just to keep holding it. Uh, wouldn't be rushing out to buy it until we had uh, more confirmation on the, on the sector, though. Right, OK. Um, because that share price just keeps bubbling along the bottom, does it? When you look yeah. at the five-year chart, it was 235 now it's down in the... Yeah. What, the 30 cents? Yeah. yeah, so I think the big issue here is that they're still stuck in that mining. 84 uh, cents. Yep. Yeah, they're yep. still stuck in the mining space. Uh, right. Whereas Wally Parsons, is, they've transitioned into this energy space right. uh, with the new energy coming through. So slightly different. It's more Wally Parsons, old school. Um, yeah, we'd probably just see, need to see more before we uh, jumped onto it. Okay. All right. Let's go from, um, from contracting in that, uh, in that mining and resource space. Uh, to good old retail, Accent Group. 
big retail organisation, 462 stores, 11 different retail banners, 17 different websites, uh, mainly in that, um, that, that performance and lifestyle footwear uh, business. Uh, Rob, they own Athletes Foot yep. um, uh, oh. Vans, I think. Uh, they own as one of their brands. Sketches. Well. Sketches, yep, yep. The whole lot. Yep. What do you think of uh, Accent? Look, um, it all comes down to their ability to transition from um, storefront to online sales. Um, they spent a lot of money opening up a lot of new stores at the beginning of this year, 51 yeah. new stores in total. Uh, they get 93% of the revenue domestically, 7% over in uh, New Zealand. As we know, New Zealand has shut down early and fast. Um, we are seeing online sales growth of about 23%. Uh, they had a really good sale day um, in May. I think they did like a $2 million sales in a single day, which is good. Mm -hmm. um, but look, as this COVID environment takes over and people are ref um, staying at home and you know, money might be a bit of a stretch, as a consumer discretionary product, are people going to keep on going out there and buying more and more footwear? They're probably not using it, right? Just sitting at home. No. <laughs> um, so for us, look again, uh, long term, it might be something once we come out of uh, COVID. Um, we, we could see people holding it for the dividend yield. It is close yeah. to double digits. It looks reasonably stable. Um, but uh, yeah, we probably wouldn't rush out and buy it or anything. Okay. Yeah. Andrew? Yeah, sorry. I was just looking, I was listening to Rob, but I was just looking about Brett Blundy's involvement. Um, yes. Caution, you may remember Brett Blundy. Yes. Um, and didn't know that Just he started Sanity. There you go. Yep. And um, he's now apparently worth about 1.5 billion US dollars. So not yep. Kerry Stokes, but he's doing all right. Um, he <laughs> he's regarded as sort of a, a young retail guru, isn't he? Well, yeah, he's he's done incredibly well. Um, yep. And he owns around 18% of the business. And, uh, you know, he made a lot of money out of starting and selling bras and things, as an example. So you, I think having him there, albeit he's no longer a director, he recently resigned, but having him there gives me a lot of confidence. I think Rob is absolutely bang on. It's around that pivot from physical to online. But if you look at what they're doing with that online, those online sales have nearly quadrupled. Uh, so they're doing quite well. And they're seeing a pickup in demand, especially from essential services uh, workers for some of their brands, and equally so those who are looking for some active wear who are mm. sort of stuck at home and wanting to get out and about. So again, out of the ones that we've spoken about today, this is probably another one that I don't mind at all. Quite like okay. the business. Okay, because is it a case of, um, it's a bit like some of the travel companies, isn't it, Andrew? It is, okay, how do they restructure and reset coming out of this pandemic? Um, like Flight Centre is, is, is selling a lot of its storefronts and going to come out a leaner, meaner operation. So um, there's an expectation that when things do get back, um, a lot more money will drop to the bottom line. Is this what you look for in retailers as well? How, that, how they're going to change the business model? Yeah, what's, what's the mix? I mean, what are they selling? Is the stuff that they're selling um, sticky? Is it required? Well, arguably shoes are. Um, you yeah. know, you might see the odd person walk down the street with bare feet, but most of us are wearing shoes. Uh, whereas if I'm selling consumer discretionary items, uh, I mean, take JB Hi-Fi. I mean, the share price is doing incredibly well, but it's also one of the most shorted shares in the market because mm. there will come a time when the 18 to 24-year-old male with that high disposable income will stop buying their Xboxes and Nintendos <laughs> and whatever else is there fancy. And so 
in retail, it's just trying to be very careful as to what exposure you've got. Am I exposed to things whereby it's a required service or product, or is it something that's discretionary? And I would think in the case of Accent, I mean, yeah. again, it's, it's partly fashion related, but they're in that right space. Yeah, and, and Rob, with companies like this, uh, you look at the quality of management because they're all under pressure, aren't they? Absolutely. This is a really testing time 100%. for whether these companies have good, good management or not. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, they're yeah. good. Okay. And all right. sorry, Koshi, if, yep. sorry, Koshi, if we're just talking management, I mean, the other one would be like Premier Investments. Yes. You know, um, with uh, Solly Lou um, yeah. and, and, and Mark there. Mark McGinnis. Uh, yeah. Again, quality operators, management is key. Yep. Absolutely, and uh, I know, <laughs> notice again, Solly Lou was on the bandwagon again saying, you shopping centre landlords, if you, if you expect us to pay rent during all, all of this, you've got another thing coming on our Smiggle stores and our Peter Alexander. So he's making the most of restructuring his cost base, Andrew, is he? Oh, he is. But again, if I'm, and we've spoken before about the share market's about buying a part of a good business. If I'm yep. entrusting my money to someone to operate a business, I want someone like Solly Lou saying, look, things yep. are tough. Let's be realistic about this. You can't expect mar normal market rent when things aren't normal. You want a strong advocate. You want someone with that experience. So yep. management is key. Okay. Thank you, Andrew. That's our 10 stocks. Uh, Andrew Willem from uh, DP Wealth Partners. Thank you so much for uh, your time. Good luck with the opening of the Empire Theatre on the weekend in Toowoomba. Good to see you. Thanks, Thanks Koshi. Thanks, Rob. And uh, Rob Collett from uh, Macro Capital. Really appreciate it. Yep. Enjoyed yourself today on the call? Yep, it's been great. Good to have you aboard. Uh, just to recap on those final five stocks, uh, Avita, a yes from both Rob and... Uh, and Andrew, Andrew also likes Polynovo in that space as well. Tassel, I know. Uh, seven Group Holdings, uh, a yes from both of them. Uh, Macra Hold from Rob, a no from uh, Andrew. And Accent, a big retail group, um, a hold from Rob and a yes from Andrew. Really appreciate all of your suggestions for stocks. If you'd like any particular stock for us to look at, you can send in your suggestions via email and just do it through the call at osbiz.com.au or on Twitter using the, uh, the handle at osbiztv. And join us for a drink later on the Startup Daily Show when we're joined by King's Cross Distillery as they launch a new gin and show us how to make some amazing cocktails on a Friday afternoon. Adelia Potts from King's Cross Distillery, a great private business, will be joining the Startup Daily Show. That's 2.45 p.m. right here on Ausbiz. Appreciate your company today. Have a great weekend. A lot more coming up throughout the afternoon on Ausbiz Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. The Pulse is after the break.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.